Learning Objective 13-3. Identify various considerations involved in planning for incapacity. Estate planning for incapacity is just as important as estate planning with capacity. A truly comprehensive data collection process incorporates incapacity issues and solutions into a client's overall estate plan. In asset management planning from an incapacity planning viewpoint, there are four basic planning methods. One, adorable power of attorney. Two, a revocable inter vivos or living trust. Three, a guardian or conservator of the property. And four, a special needs trust. Depending on the specific situation, an individual may have more than one incapacity planning technique in place. Adorable power of attorney can be an extremely valuable incapacity and estate planning document. It's a document with which a principal grants powers over his or her property or health issues to an agent who is referred to as an attorney in fact. If the person executing the instrument, the principal, wishes, the power for the agent may become effective upon execution. This type of durable power of attorney is often called a non-springing durable power of attorney. A springing durable power of attorney, on the other hand, is one that becomes operative only at the time the principal becomes incompetent. The terms and conditions that trigger when the springing power of attorney becomes effective must be stipulated within the instrument. The contingency typically is based on an independent determination by physicians. In addition to a power of attorney for asset management, there are two primary techniques by which an individual can plan for personal care upon incapacity, a durable power of attorney for health care and a living will. The first technique, the durable power of attorney for health care, may also be referred to as a medical durable power of attorney or medical proxy. Regardless of an individual's other estate planning initiatives and documents, the execution of a durable power of attorney for health care is a necessary safeguard in planning for or incapacity. It allows for extensive flexibility and will take effect in any number of healthcare situations where a person may be unable to give his or her informed decisions. Another incapacity device specific to a terminal condition is a living will. In a living will, a declarant specifies in writing his or her wishes about the continuance or discontinuance of medical treatment, such as artificial life support, when the declarant is no longer able to give informed consent. In all living will situations, the document's provisions are triggered only when the individual has been declared to be terminally ill by two or more physicians. A living or inter vivos trust is the second basic planning method used to provide financial direction in case of a senior's incapacity. Aside from full incapacity situations, another often less obvious reason for a revocable trust is that at some point in the aging process, various tasks that were once simple to accomplish become increasingly difficult burdensome, and time-consuming. Revocable living trusts are a vehicle for the consolidation of assets, decision-making, and administrative assistance. The senior grantor can be trustee or co-trustee and provide as much or as little input as desired. A living trust created for incapacity protection must contain a provision concerning an independent determination, usually the agreement of two named physicians of what the grantor wishes to constitute incompetency. 
Guardianship or conservatorship is the third of the incapacity planning techniques we identified earlier. Having both a will and revocable trust documents helps to forestall, if not prevent, guardianship and conservatorship court proceedings in the event of an estate owner's disablement. The guardianship or conservatorship route is usually not only time-consuming and money-consuming, but it is also public. Without other direction, a guardian or conservator must be appointed and continually supervised by a court following a court hearing. In most cases, the guardian or conservator is a member of the ward's family. The final incapacity technique we'll discuss is the special needs trust. Special needs trusts are property management devices used to protect the assets of individuals who expect to be in a long-term disabled condition. Ethical considerations abound in discussions of special needs trusts because they entail arranging beneficiaries' financial interests to avail the beneficiaries of government assistance programs such as Medicaid, supplemental security income, and so forth. There are three kinds of special needs trusts. One, a common law discretionary or third-party special needs trust, which is the most widely used for estate planning for incapacitated persons. It is established by family members or other interested parties on behalf of an incapacitated person. If the trust is properly drafted, the corpus of the trust is not an available resource for purposes of determining a beneficiary's eligibility for medical assistance benefits or for payback of public benefits. 2. An OBRA 93 payback, or self-settled special needs trust, which is established by interested parties on behalf of an incapacitated person. The trust must state that any trust resources remaining in the trust at the beneficiary's death be available for reimbursement to the state for medical assistance expenditures made on behalf of the beneficiary during lifetime. And three, a pooled special needs trust, which involves a nonprofit organization that manages the funds of numerous disabled persons. Funds are invested in a common fund, and each special needs subject has his or her own individual account within the fund. When a beneficiary dies, the monies in the decedent's account can be used either to repay the state for the medical assistance it has provided on behalf of the decedent beneficiary or left in the pooled trust for the benefit of other beneficiaries. Learning Objective 13-3. Identify various considerations involved in planning for incapacity. Estate planning for incapacity is just as important as estate planning with capacity. A truly comprehensive data collection process incorporates incapacity issues and solutions into a client's overall estate plan. In asset management planning from an incapacity planning viewpoint, there are four basic planning methods. One, adorable power of attorney. Two, a revocable inter vivos or living trust. Three, a guardian or conservator of the property. And four, a special needs trust. Depending on the specific situation, an individual may have more than one incapacity planning technique in place. Adorable power of attorney can be an extremely valuable incapacity and estate planning document. It's a document with which a principal grants powers over his or her property or health issues to an agent who is referred to as an attorney in fact. If the person executing the instrument, the principal, wishes, the power for the agent may become effective upon execution. This type of durable power of attorney is often called a non-springing durable power of attorney. A springing durable power of attorney, on the other hand, is one that becomes operative only at the time the principal becomes incompetent. 
The terms and conditions that trigger when the springing power of attorney becomes effective must be stipulated within the instrument. The contingency typically is based on an independent determination by physicians. In addition to a power of attorney for asset management, there are two primary techniques by which an individual can plan for personal care upon incapacity, a durable power of attorney for health care and a living will. The first technique, the durable power of attorney for health care, may also be referred to as a medical durable power of attorney or medical proxy. Regardless of an individual's other estate planning initiatives and documents, the execution of a durable power of attorney for health care is a necessary safeguard in planning for or incapacity. It allows for extensive flexibility and will take effect in any number of healthcare situations where a person may be unable to give his or her informed decisions. Another incapacity device specific to a terminal condition is a living will. In a living will, a declarant specifies in writing his or her wishes about the continuance or discontinuance of medical treatment, such as artificial life support, when the declarant is no longer able to give informed consent. In all living will situations, the document's provisions are triggered only when the individual has been declared to be terminally ill by two or more physicians. A living or inter vivos trust is the second basic planning method used to provide financial direction in case of a senior's incapacity. Aside from full incapacity situations, another often less obvious reason for a revocable trust is that, at some point in the aging process, various tasks that were once simple to accomplish become increasingly difficult, burdensome, and time-consuming. Revocable living trusts are a vehicle for the consolidation of assets, decision-making, and administrative assistance. The senior grantor can be trustee or co-trustee and provide as much or as little input as desired. A living trust created for incapacity protection must contain a provision concerning an independent determination, usually the agreement of two named physicians of what the grantor wishes to constitute incompetency. Guardianship or conservatorship is the third of the incapacity planning techniques we identified earlier. Having both a will and revocable trust documents helps to forestall, if not prevent, guardianship and conservatorship court proceedings in the event of an estate owner's disablement. The guardianship or conservatorship route is usually not only time-consuming and money-consuming, but it is also public. Without other direction, a guardian or conservator must be appointed and continually supervised by a court following a court hearing. In most cases, the guardian or conservator is a member of the ward's family. The final incapacity technique we'll discuss is the special needs trust. Special needs trusts are property management devices used to protect the assets of individuals who expect to be in a long-term disabled condition. Ethical considerations abound in discussions of special needs trusts because they entail arranging beneficiaries' financial interests to avail the beneficiaries of government assistance programs such as Medicaid, supplemental security income, and so forth. There are three kinds of special needs trusts. One, a common law discretionary or third-party special needs trust, which is the most widely used for estate planning for incapacitated persons. It is established by family members or other interested parties on behalf of an incapacitated person. If the trust is properly drafted, the corpus of the trust is not an available resource for purposes of determining a beneficiary's eligibility for medical assistance benefits or for payback of public benefits. 
2, and OBRA 93 Payback, or Self-Settled Special Needs Trust, which is established by interested parties on behalf of an incapacitated person. The trust must state that any trust resources remaining in the trust at the beneficiary's death be available for reimbursement to the state for medical assistance expenditures made on behalf of the beneficiary during lifetime. And three, a pooled special needs trust, which involves a nonprofit organization that manages the funds of numerous disabled persons. Funds are invested in a common fund, and each special needs subject has his or her own individual account within the fund. When a beneficiary dies, the monies in the decedent's account can be used either to repay the state for the medical assistance it has provided on behalf of the decedent beneficiary or left in the pooled trust for the benefit of other beneficiaries.